There's a verse that is, that is a, a good promise in God's Word. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great verse? No matter what we need, God promises to supply it as we are trusting in Him, as we're faithful to Him. But the question is, what are some of our greatest needs? I know that, that a lot of times we think of health, we think of finances, we think of other things of that nature. But I, I really do believe that in the next few weeks we need to ask ourselves the question, what are some of our greatest needs as Christians? And we're going to start off with number one being faith. Isn't faith important? Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it seems to me we need to start with faith because we can't please God without faith. My mom sent a text message last night. And in the text message, she, she mentioned a song uh, that I've sung before, that I, I've even led before. I'm not going to probably do that tonight. I might get you to do the chorus later on. I don't know. But turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his wonderful things, on his wonderful face, and the things of earth shall grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But unfortunately, we do not always turn our eyes on Jesus. Quite often our eyes are on circumstances, they're on problems, they're on difficulties that we face. But we need to turn our eyes on Jesus. We need to have faith. We need to not worry or fear. Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. A portion of scripture that, that Jesus spoke, read a letter in, in my Bible, it probably is in yours as well. And this is what Jesus says. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this portion of Scripture, I pray that you will change our perspective, that you will help us to have your perspective transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove your good acceptable and perfect will in jesus name amen i believe that in this portion of scripture first of all we have the problem of fear uh, there's a verse in second timothy chapter one verse number seven that says 
God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And yet, quite often, we are fearful. Quite often, we still worry. Even, that we, even though we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, sometimes we are fearful, especially when we look around and see the circumstances, whether it's the coronavirus or whether it's the election or whether it's the future. We are sometimes worrying and fearful about things that are going on. But we should not be because of our relationship with God. Just three things. There are many things that we tend to fear. Some people fear spiders. Any of y'all fear spiders? Raise your hand. I see many hands. How many of you fear snakes? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of hands are going. How, how many of you fear speaking in public? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of hands are going up on that one. And we fear different things, but in this portion of Scripture, I think there are three things that it talks about that we tend to fear. The first one is that we have a fear of poverty, a, a fear of not having our basic needs met. As we think about the pandemic, as we think about all the jobs that have been lost and all the businesses that have closed in the last year, uh, many people are hurting financially. Many people, as they look toward the future, are thinking, I don't know where my money is going to come from. I don't know where my food and shelter are going to come from. The same problem took place in Jesus' day, and that's why he said in verses 25 and following, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to its stature? You can't make yourself taller. So why, can you, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith. There is a tendency to be fearful of poverty, of not having the basic needs of food, of drink, of clothing provided. Uh, some of us might think about lodging. Some of us might think of other things as well. And yet we should not have a fear of poverty because of God. Number two is the fear of missing out. Now this is a little bit more, more uh, complex, I guess. Uh, because there are some people that are afraid that they're going to miss out on something fun, on something good, on something pleasurable. I believe that part of our fear of missing out comes from the advertisements that we see on television, on, on social media, on media, and so on. Think about it for just a minute. You're sitting down there. You're watching television. Everything's fine. You're, you're not hungry. You're not thirsty. Anything of that nature. And all of a sudden, a commercial comes on, whether it's for Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Let's take a vote. Who likes Coke products better? Raise your hand. Okay, who likes Pepsi products? Pe Pepsi seems to win. That's too bad. I like Coke products better. Although I, I have in my lifetime drunk a lot of Mountain Dew. Uh, anyway, we're not thirsty until we see that commercial, then we're thirsty. We don't realize that we need that new car until we see a commercial on television. That car really did look good, didn't it? I, man, I, I want that we, we have a fear of missing out because we think sometimes, unfortunately, 
that these things will bring us satisfaction. These things will bring us pleasure. But the reality is that such is not always the case. In fact, the reality is that most of the time that's not the case. You, you think, man, this is going to make me happy. You get it, and guess what? You're not happy. It goes along with what the Bible says. Look at Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Luke chapter 12, beginning to read at verse number 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. There are some verses worth reading again. Let me read that one more time. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Most important thing in life is not what you possess. I think most of us would agree with that theoretically, but then we see that advertisement and we think, I sure do want that. He spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Verse number 16. Verse 17. He thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This rich fool decided that he was going to focus on his goods. He was going to focus on what he had. He was going to build barns in order to store them. He was going to enjoy himself and enjoy the things he had. But he didn't realize that life consists of more than food and clothing and things that you have. And apparently he died that night. How many of you know when you're going to die? I don't think any of us know. Yeah, you shouldn't know because that would mean you're probably planning suicide. So if you think you know when you're going to die, maybe you need to come to talk to me and we need to do some counseling together. The reality is we don't know when we're going to die we need to make sure that we're not focused on just laying up goods for ourselves. Instead, we're focused on living our lives for God. The fear of missing out. We, we want more and more things. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this. It doesn't say the money is the root of all evil. It's not a problem to have money. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, from which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Did you know that a lot of times with things, with money, comes sorrows? But we have a fear of missing out. We look at that advertisement and we think, man, I sure would like that. A fear of poverty, not having the basic needs. A fear of missing out, not having the things that we want. And then there is also a fear of the unknown. Look at verses 33 and 34 of Matthew chapter 6. We, we're familiar with 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day 
is its own trouble. I've heard it say, said that 90% of the things we worry about never take place. And, and in my observation, I think that's probably true. I don't think it's a hard, fast statistic. But quite often, the things that we worry about never take place. The things that we are afraid of never take place. But we spend a lot of time and effort worrying about those things. We especially are concerned about the unknown. What do the next four years hold? Of course, some of you like Trump, some of you like Biden. But as we look ahead to the next four years, my guarantee is this. It's going to be different than the last four years. And there's a lot of unknowns. There are a lot of things that we wonder what is going to happen. Let me ask you a question. Is God still sovereign during the next four years? Can we trust him? We tend to have a fear of the unknown. We have a fear of things taking place that we might not like. But the reality is that God says, don't worry about it. I mean, that's what he says. Don't worry. Instead, you need to trust me. It's interesting in this portion of Scripture, three times Jesus says, do not worry. And yet, if I was going to ask you honestly, how many of you tend to worry? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. More, more of you tend to worry than that. The reality is that that's a command of Scripture that seems to be okay to disobey from our perspective. But it should not be okay to disobey. It's still a command of Scripture, is it not? And really, worrying and being fearful is an affront to God because He's our Father, promises to take care of us, and yet we tend to worry. Let's say that I, I did have six kids. Let's say that it was a dark night, the lights went out, and I'm there in the room with my kids. And I say to them, don't worry, no problem, I got a flashlight, everything's going to be okay. If they kept on worrying, what would it show? They don't trust me. If we keep on worrying and being fearful, what does it show? That we don't trust God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So not only do we see the problem of fear, we also see the perspective of faith. We should not worry we should not fear. Why? Three things. Number one, because God cares. In, in verses 25 to 30, it talks about a couple of, of, of different elements of uh, life. It talks about food and drink and clothing. And, and what it does is it compares us to animals and to flowers or grass of the field. Basically says, if God takes care of the birds of the air, won't he take care of us? Because we are of more value than the birds. If God takes care of the grass of the field and makes them to be beautiful flowers, won't he provide our clothing because we are of great value to him? Uh, it says in verse number 6, the last part of it, are you not of more value than they? And, uh, and then again, uh, we are more valuable than the grass of the field. Makes sense, doesn't it? But why don't we have that perspective? Why don't we recognize that God cares about us? Not only does God care, he also knows. There's a verse that says that God knows the number of hairs on our head. I mean, that's pretty significant uh, for most of us, that God knows the number of hairs on our head. He, he, he cares about us. He, he really loves us very much. And, and he knows what we need. We think we know what we need, but God knows better 
than what we need because he made us. He created us. He knows what, what our bodies need. He knows what our souls need. He knows what our spirit needs. Uh, look at verses 31 and 32. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, the people that aren't trusting God. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. We need to recognize, number one, that God cares. Number two, that God knows. Don't you agree that God is omniscient? He knows everything. He knows everything past, present, and future. He knows what's going to happen to us in the next four years, in the next 40 years. We can trust him because he cares for us. We can trust him because he knows everything. He knows all about what is going on and what takes place. Number three, God provides. Look at verse number 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. As we put God first, he promises to meet our needs. goes back to Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We recognize or should recognize that God provides. Go down just a half a page or so to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Jesus said this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Isn't that a great portion of Scripture? We need to pray, to ask, to seek, to knock, depending on God to provide our needs, depending on God to bless, recognizing that if our earthly parents seek to do what is best for us, of course, we're fallible, we mess up, our heavenly Father will certainly seek to do what is best for us. He's infallible. He never messes up. So we need to trust him because he cares, because he knows, and because he provides. James 1.17 says this, every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no, there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, the blessings that we receive, the good things that we have in life, they come from God. And we, again, can trust Him because He cares, because He knows, because He provides, and because He is in control. Look at verse 34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And don't worry, because I'm in control, is basically what he's saying. He, he is indicating that he is sovereign. In Psalm 2, it, it talks about men and the way that they tend to rebel and be resistant to God. It says this, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. 
Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. And then it says this. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Blessed are all those who put their trust in God. Because he's in control. He's sovereign. According to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God is in control. God is sovereign. And we can trust in him. Now, the sad thing is that even though we probably know many of these truths, we do still sometimes live in fear and worry. Sometimes it's the fear of spiders or public speaking or snakes or whatever. But sometimes it is the fear of poverty, of our needs not being taken care of. The fear of missing out. We don't have what we think would make us happy. The fear of the unknown. We don't know what's going to take place next week next month, next year. We have a problem with fear. But we need to have a perspective of faith. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be afraid. But instead, we need to trust God. Do you agree that God cares for you? If he did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, won't he also with him freely give us all things? Romans chapter 8 and verse number 32. Don't you agree that God knows he knows what we need. He knows what should be happening in our lives. Would you not agree that God provides? And how many of you, as you look back on your life, have seen the provision of God time after time after time? Raise your hand if you will. Hands are going up all over the auditorium. Because God has shown himself faithful to us time and time again. And every good gift and every perfect gift is from him. One more question. Wouldn't you agree that God is in control? That he's sovereign? Now, do we understand why God does what he does? Do our kids when they're small, our grandkids when they're small, do they understand why we do everything we do? They certainly don't. They can't comprehend it. They're not smart enough to comprehend it. In a similar way, we can't comprehend everything that God does. We can't understand because God is so much greater than we are. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. But he is in control and we can trust him. Now I think that we need to notice that in each of these situations the focus is on God instead of being on the circumstances. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. When we keep our mind on God, when we trust in him, he will give us perfect peace, a peace that passes understanding. When we talk about worry, we shouldn't skip Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where Paul said to the Philippian church, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, when we have a tendency to worry, we need to pray about it. We need to thank God about it. Thank God that he's in control. We need to count it all joy. And he promises to give us peace. Therefore, we can experience peace rather than fear or worry when we have faith. Back to Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe that God rewards those who diligently seek him? It's clear in scripture that such is the case. And yet so often we tend to worry. Now, of course, when we think about faith, we need to be thinking about faith for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The gospel is clear. We're sinners. We don't deserve to go to heaven. We deserve to go to hell. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can go to heaven if we believe. Not if we do good works. Not if we go to church. Not if we are good people. But if we believe, if we have faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. We need that initial faith, trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. And if you've never done that, my encouragement to you would be not to go another day without doing it. Make sure that you pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Pray something like this. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I know Jesus died for me on the cross. Paid the penalty for my sins. And right now, I turn from my sins. And I depend on Jesus to save me and give me everlasting life and help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. The words are not magical. But the, the, the issue is this. You're recognizing your sin, your inability to get to heaven on your own, and you're relying, you're having faith in Jesus Christ who provided a way to heaven by dying on the cross for our sins. So we need to have that faith that God will save us, but we also need to have faith that God will be with us, that God will help us, that God will meet our needs as we trust in him. Hebrews 13, 5, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. We do not have to fear. Whether it's the fear of poverty, of missing out, of the unknown, or something else. Instead, we need to have faith. We need to trust God. Because when we trust God, he gives us a peace that passes understanding. We can depend on him to meet our needs. We know that he cares we know that he knows what we need. We know that he provides as we put him first. We know that he is in control, and therefore we trust him. We do what the song says that I mentioned early on that my mom sent me last night. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The things on earth will not worry us or make, make us fearful as we think about our relationship with him and the fact that we can trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word and for what it says to us. Many of us would admit that we worry and we are fearful. 
Lord, I pray that we will change our perspective. We'll be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that instead we will trust you because you are trustworthy. You do care so very much. We also know that you know what's going on in our lives. You know what the future holds. We know that you provide. We know that you're in control. Lord, help us to trust you, to trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Lord, we're thankful for these words in Matthew 6. We're thankful for what Jesus shared with us. We're thankful that we can trust you and experience your peace in Jesus' name. Amen.